0: Welcome into the latest edition of the Sharpshooters. I'm David Schuster, joined as always by my good friend, Mr. Andy Roth. We are sponsored by DraftKings and more from our sponsor in just a little bit. And Andy, before we do anything else, we have some good guests. Not tonight, because it's just you and me, and that's as good as it gets.
1: But, yeah, uh, I really can't top that.
0: No, you certainly can't. But we have some good guests lined up uh, in the near future. We're going to have Ted Davis, from uh, who used to do the Milwaukee Bucks. A good friend of mine. We're going to have him on. Uh, who else are we going to have on? We're going to have uh, Chris Marlowe from the Denver Nuggets. He's going to be on at some juncture. I'm uh, going to probably try and get uh, Kendall Gill, former Bulls player. We're going to get him on in the near future. We're still trying to get Mike Breen on. And uh, I just came uh, Katie. I forget what Katie's Katie. What is Katie's last name on Philadelphia? Anyway, Katie, Katie is the new Philadelphia 76ers announcer. Forgive me but I'm spacing out on last name, but I just met her the other day uh, doing stats on their broadcast. We're going to get her on in the near future also. She's one of two female play-by-play announcers in the NBA. So we have a lot of good guests coming up. And
1: and, and hopefully Nick Fidel, who covers the Nets for ESPN.
0: Yes, he's got to work it out with his bosses, but hopefully he will be able to do that. And you might even pull a big surprise in the near future because Will Chamberlain's 100-point game is coming up. We're going to talk about that. That's about a month from now, give or take. So we're going to try and have a special guest, maybe somebody who was even courtside for that game. Who knows? Well,
1: actually, I was thinking about reaching out to a former colleague of ours who was an executive at ESPN Radio. I want to try to get UB Brown on for that.
0: That would be great. Was Yubi there?
1: Uh, I believe Yubi may have been coaching in the ABA the year that that Wilt was a coach for the Conquistadors.
0: Okay. And when.
1: And Yubi was certainly alive during Wilt's prime.
0: Well, absolutely that. Yeah. I think he was uh, alive and – well, never mind.
1: (laughs) But but I have to tell you, I was a little hesitant to do the podcast tonight because in a league where they vote for the top 15 coaches of all time and they can actually vote for Doc Rivers as a top 15 coach – I don't know if we're dealing with a legitimate league.
0: Yeah, I, I, I saw your tweets uh, from last night uh, that a certain uh, member of the top 15 is hearing it from his fan base in his city. I, <laughs> I knew exactly who you were talking no, about. Oh, he was getting week.
1: blasted last night for his coaching in the fourth quarter. You know, I didn't see the game, but I'm looking at the box score, and I think Aiton played almost 40 minutes and Chris Paul and Mikal Bridges, and some guy that I think is an MVP candidate on Philly, uh, the name is Joel Embiid. Yes, he, He played 32 minutes.
0: Yeah. So you
1: play play arguably the number one player in the league against a high-level team, and you play him 32 minutes.
0: What did he say after the game? Was that question even posed to him?
1: Uh, I don't know if it was, but uh, knowing the media, they probably didn't ask that intelligent question.
0: Yeah. Well, Philadelphia media is something different on top of everything else. All right, anyway, we're recording this on Wednesday night. Uh, The trading deadline is coming up. I think it's 3 o'clock Eastern tomorrow afternoon on Thursday. So there's, there's been a lot of trades that have already occurred, and I anticipate, Andy, there's going to be a lot more before it's all said and done. Anyway, let's go over some of the ones that have already been done. And the one that has gotten maybe the most attention so far was Sacramento and in Indiana. And the Sacramento general manager, he has been vilified across the board in the league. But basically, here's the deal. Sacramento yeah. trades Ty Halliburton, who hasn't been really great this season, but I think, you know, he's he's a really good player. And I think his best years are way in front of him. He was great last year. He hasn't been great this year, but Sacramento's been a weird franchise. Anyway, Halliburton, uh, Buddy Heald. And Tristan Thompson go from Sacramento to Indiana for DeMontis Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb, and and Justin Holliday. Now, I'm not going to say, like, a lot of people think this is the worst trade of all time. I'm not going to be one of those people. I mean, because Sabonis is still a pretty decent player. And basically, this is Sabonis for Halliburton more than anything else. But I know you're going to be much more critical than I am. Well,
1: no, I mean, look, if I'm the Sacramento GM, I don't make the trade. Now, part of it, the reason for that trade— they got off the final two years and 40 million from Buddy Hill. Yep. But my feeling is as bad as Sacramento is, you know, you can be a little patient. Uh there are people, there are teams there that are desperate for three-point shooting. So, you know, you could have sent them off in a deal this year, next year. It doesn't matter. Look, Sabonis is a is a nice player. I'm going to compare him a little to your guy playing the middle in Chicago, although I like Sabonis a little better. I don't consider Sabonis an impact player. To me, a non-athletic big with defensive limitations, a guy that's not going to block shots, he's not going to close down the lane. Let me simplify it. Jared Allen, not near the offensive skill of DeMontis Sabonis, but an efficient offensive player that will give you 15, 16 points a game, shoot 67%. But the reason Cleveland is elite is because of Allen and Mobley shutting down the lane. I guarantee you, if Kobe Altman was called up by the Sacramento GM and said, I'll give you Sabonis for Allen, he would have hung up on him. You look at the elite teams in this league. Almost none of them have the type of player that Sabonis is. You know, in Atlanta last year, you had Capella in the middle, you know, an elite rebounder who can who can rim protect. If you put uh, a guy like Sabonis on Phoenix instead of Aiden, their defense takes a big hit. Sure. but everybody gets caught up in the scoring column and the offensive skill set and not enough is given consideration to the defense of a player.
0: Well, first of all, I don't consider Sabonis a five. I consider him a four, maybe not even that great of a defensive four either, but I consider him still a four. Um, you know, if he if he's, if he's paired up, I guess, for the right terminology, with somebody who's strong defensively in the middle – and I don't think uh, in, in Sacramento that's going to happen at all. Um, I did like him with Turner alongside him in Indiana. So, I mean, that probably took a little bit of defensive pressure off him. Anyway, bottom line is I think Indiana gets the better of the deal because I like Halliburton. I like Halliburton well,
1: well, well, here Here's my other take. Um, I heard Woj say that, you know, the league was stunned that Halliburton was available. Yeah. So I had a two-fold reaction. That means – many teams in the league really valued Halliburton. Am I correct in saying that?
0: 100%. And maybe okay. maybe 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 their general manager Sacramento didn't bother to find out how much no. he was. Around. Well,
1: that's that's the part two of the puzzle. Sure. You're telling me then that the Sacramento GM didn't call up the other 29 GMs and say what's your best deal for Halliburton? I mean, that's just plain absurd. Yeah. and plain stupid. Yeah. And well, by the way, in this current NBA Tyrese Halliburton's skills, to me, are more valued than what Sabonis brings to the table.
0: All right, fair enough.
1: And I'll I'll give you one other angle on Sabonis. Would you agree not very athletic?
0: No, not at all. Okay,
1: no wingspan. To me, a guy like that, that's planted on the floor, sort of like a Vucevic, against high-level playoff competition, if he's going up against Embiid or Aiton or Capella, he's not going to be the same offensive player he was in the regular season.
0: Okay, your, your point is well taken. Um, and and yes, I, I prefer to have my players athletic, but I'm going to tell you one of the best basketball players I ever saw was not athletic at all. And he was a great player. No, that's all, no wait but
1: Hold on. See, you're going to say Larry Bird, correct? I am going to say Larry Bird. Right. But here's the difference. Larry Bird was an all-world talent who was a phenomenal shooter.
0: Absolutely. Phenomenal
1: ball handler, and phenomenal creator. See, that's the difference where I'll give you another example. Steph Curry is one of the few elite players in this league that was a pretty big defensive liability, but he impacts the game so much on the other end of the floor that he can have a big impact on the game. That's not Sabonis. I'll give you even one other guy. The one year, he was tremendous for the Celtics. Isaiah Thomas, horrible defender, but because he had the ability to, to score 29 a game and break the de- defenses down, he was a valuable commodity, but that's not Sabonis.
0: Okay, well, I'm going to have you eat your words now because Damon Lill- Lilliard, uh, Damian Lillard rather, is not a good defensive player, but he impacts the game on the offensive end of the court.
1: Yeah, but here's my reply. Damian Lillard can't be your number one guy if you want to win a championship. That's where I separate guys. Damian Lillard... Not a knock. He's not Kevin Durant. He's not Kawhi Leonard. He's not Giannis. You know, he, he's not a two-way player. Why do you think they were so awful defensively? They had a great offensive backcourt with Lillard and McCollum. Who, but
0: but who's who the number one player when Isaiah Thomas was scoring his 29 points on Boston?
1: No, I Isaiah was. Okay. Right. But that's not, but that's still not good enough to win a championship. No, it's not it's not you
0: know and and obviously
1: we're going to get to portland here No, but just to my point is there are different levels of greatness lillard is not on the upper upper tier just like carmelo terrific talent you're not winning a championship with carmelo as your number one player in his prime you're not winning it with dominique wilkins so that's where there's a separation
0: well okay you know first of all dominique wilkins was playing when michael jordan was playing so i mean I mean, uh, he wasn't no, gonna man. win any championships. Well, no, cast, but he couldn't right? get
1: past Larry Bird, right? Okay.
0: I, again, I think we're saying the same thing. Damian Lillard is still. I mean, I'm getting ahead of myself. Damian no, Lillard, a,
1: look, I'm not. It, I'm not criticizing him. I think I'm stating a pretty well known fact that if Damian Lillard's your best player, you're probably not going to contend for a title.
0: Well, Damian Lillard, whatever team he's going to be on, is probably going to be your highest paid player.
1: <laughs> well, there's a difference between, if Damian Lillard – So he's going to have to be. Let's put it this way. If Damian Lillard is dealt to, to uh, Milwaukee or he's dealt to Dallas or he's dealt to uh, to Brooklyn or he's – you know, he's not going to be the number one player if he's dealt to the Lakers. He's not the number one guy.
0: Well, there's, there's very – first of all, I'm not so sure how many players, and what's Damian Lillard, six two, six three, if even? Right. Okay. What other player at six two, six three, other than maybe Morant right now? Curry. Is your number, is your number one player? Curry. Curry. Okay. Steph
1: Curry. Steph Curry's won a championship. <laughs> two yeah, championships. Yeah, and, and right. Steph
0: Curry is one of those rare, rare, rare. Well, that's right my now.
1: point. I'm just saying Lillard is not on that level, but that's not a knock. Okay. That's just reality. All right, we'll see. I mean, does Damian, Lillard, does Damian Lillard impact the game on the level of Giannis and Jokic and Embiid and Durant and Kawhi not, Leonard? No.
0: Not on a consistent level. Uh, no, he is not.
1: But, but th- what's the reason? Well, because he's but, a terrible defensive player.
0: Again, Andy, go back in, in a stretch of games over the last two or three years You'll see, and and again, I'm not trying to you know say that Damian Lillard is is a top five player in the league. I'm not, but Damian Lillard has, when he's on, like he has been over the last two or three years, that's why he earned that forty four million dollar a year contract. Has won games single handedly, single handedly.
1: I'm not denying that, but I'm just saying, was Carmelo Anthony a phenomenal offensive talent?
0: Yeah. Mostly, mostly from from the outside, but yeah. What
1: well, well, was he a phenomenal offensive talent? Yes, yeah, overall. Okay, w- were you going to win a championship with, with him as your number one guy? He's not a franchise player. He's a great offensive talent. Those are two different things.
0: Okay, uh, let's move on. Portland, let's talk about Portland. They deal CJ McCollum because they're going to build around uh, Damian Lillard. Ironically, um, that you know because Lillard's not going anywhere. No one's going to take his contract. So CJ McCollum goes. Along with Larry Nance Jr., and I'm surprised that he was part of this trade, along with Tony Snell, who's just throw-in, to New Orleans for Josh Hart, Tomas Sadarensky, and basically draft picks. So Portland is getting draft picks. Um, what do you think about that trade? And what does Portland now have in mind? What are what are both teams have in mind?
1: Bob? No, I mean, I, I think for Portland, this is more, you know, getting off salary yeah. and, and getting draft capital. That's it. I mean, Josh Hart is a nice role player. But it, it just came down to that. And, and, you know, now they can explore other avenues, having more cap space and more draft capital. For the, uh, for the Pelicans, you know, it's, it's a good piece. The Pelicans have been playing real well lately. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the reasons they've been cons- consistently winning, besides the fact that Brandon Ingram has been great, is that they're a really good defensive team. And yeah. part of that has been the rookie Herb Jones, who's an elite defender.
0: Well, obviously, what they're going to try and do down in New Orleans, they're going to try and hang on to Zion Williamson if he ever gets his big butt off uh, off the bench and onto the court again. Is they're going to have a young nucleus with McCollum, who obviously you know has been the Batman to uh or has been the Robin to the Batman out in Portland, Mm -hmm. along with uh, Lillard. Um, So it's going to be Williamson. It's going to be, I guess, Ingram. Um, I'm not really sure what his contract status is. And, uh, and McCollum. And that's what their th- big three is going to be. But they still don't have anything in the middle, in my opinion.
1: Well, I mean, they're, they're okay in the middle. The, the, you know, the big thing for them is, is Zion ever going to be healthy? I mean, a lot of teams would like to be in the position to have two young cornerstones like Williamson and Ingram. But, you know, we don't know if Zion will be able to stay on the court.
0: Yeah, we'll see. All right. Uh, Utah today, it was a three-team uh, trade with Utah uh portland again and san antonio joe ingles who wasn't going to play anymore this season because of his injury he goes ultimately i believe he goes to portland um let's see what here sataransky who's just <laughs> is that so weird when guys get traded and they get traded again instantly it's like you know don't even bother unpacking your suitcase um but really what's going on here is well who, who's the under kyle there? alexander walker they yeah, needed he
1: goes to utah they, yeah, I mean, I haven't seen him play that much. You know, he's a young player with some potential, and they, they needed to fortify their bench with Ingles going down, and that's why they made the deal. I mean, Ingles knew he was going.
0: Yeah, and and he's a free agent at the end of the season, and he was, you know, saying today that, you know, he might still end up in Utah. I'll bet he does. He'll probably take less money to go back to Utah.
1: Yeah, he... Except for the fact he won't be able to play next season with the torn ACL.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, you know um... – Anyway, uh, he doesn't have to unpack his bags because he's not going to play in Portland anyway. All right. the Actually, the best trade that has been consummated so far, and there have been a few other small ones, was Cleveland the other day getting Karis Levert from Indiana. So obviously, Indiana is just going through a total uh, rebuild here. But Levert goes uh, to Cleveland, and that was a great trade. Now, Ricky Rubio, who wasn't going to play anymore this season also, and picks end up going back to Indiana. So again, Indiana's in a total rebuild. But Lavert gives another scoring option to Cleveland. And they we've talked about this. You know, you talk about Allen and you talk about Mobley and, and even marketing to a lesser degree. And Kevin Love, who I still think will be sixth man of the year. We'll talk about that in a little bit Ooh. also. I like Cleveland. How can you not? This team is not only becoming talent laden, but they play the game the right way.
1: If they're... They're a defensive monster. Uh, As I've said before, look, they lose Sexton. They don't miss a beat. They lose Rubio, who was really great for them, orchestrated the offense, could run pick and roll with Mobley and Allen um, on alley-oops, and they basically didn't miss a beat. They basically, for several weeks now, and after marketing going down, they had one high-level offensive player in Garland, but could continue to compete because they're elite defensively, because Mobley and Allen completely shut down the paint. Now with Lavert as a guy off the bench, I mean that really that that gives them a big lift. He hasn't been a very efficient offensive player, pounds the ball a little too much, but Cleveland is just a very unselfish team, and I, and I really think he'll flourish there.
0: And and you know what, this this didn't get much acclaim, um, and I think it was undervalued. But Rajon Rondo ending up in Cleveland, I don't know how much he's going to play, and honestly. But his presence, not only from being a former champion in two different places, and and definitely, if not a coach, a general manager somewhere down the road. I mean, his IQ for basketball is as high as the, I've ever been around. I think that was a really good pickup also.
1: No, I agree. And, and you can't underestimate the IQ. Again, a guy that can run, pick, and roll with Allen and Mobley is rim runners. You know, he can still defend. And you know what? A high IQ, a lot of times is better than a talented basketball player with a low IQ.
0: 100%. All right, before we move on, a word from our sponsor and the moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country. If Sportsbook isn't in your state yet, play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest for Super Bowl 56. New customers can get a free shot at a $1 million top prize with their first deposit. So, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl Fifty Six. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the Tennessee Red Line. That's 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, the number is 888-789-7777. Or visit ccpg.org slash chat. And finally in New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y to the following number, 467-369.
1: By the way, by the way, Garland first came back off a back injury, 27 points on 12 of 15 from the floor. Allen and Mobley combined for 26 rebounds and they hold the Spurs to 92.
0: Again, I really like the direct. I wouldn't be surprised if Cleveland makes it, depending on what their matchup is, and it might not even be depend on that. They might make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. I would not be surprised.
1: No, I mean, look, if you play Elite D, you're in every game. You know, the the lack of experience maybe for a guy like Mobley, um, and maybe even to an extent, a marketing, you know, might matter. But um, yeah, they're, they're hell to deal with, and. You know, I really believe maybe by next season they are really true title contenders.
0: Absolutely. All right. So we talked about the trades that have already occurred. By this time tomorrow, again, we're recording this on Wednesday night. The deadline will have passed. I'll bet you there's probably a half a dozen more trades. So let's just talk about some of the possibilities, some that are a little far-fetched. Uh, James Harden, I don't believe, is going to Philadelphia tomorrow. I wouldn't doubt if he ends up there next season. But I don't think Brooklyn, being in the position that they are, is going to trade him because right now they're decimated and not winning. But James Harden, I think, ultimately will end up in Philadelphia next season. Andy, what do you think?
1: You know, with all this chatter, it's hard to really decipher what's going to happen tomorrow. I do know that, you know, I've watched most of his games this year. You know, the hamstring continues to be an issue. He's not been the elite player we've seen the last five years. And I think it's a quite a big gamble to sign a guy that's going to be 33 with his physical issues, you know, to a four-year, $200 million contract. If I'm Darryl Morey, I wouldn't do it.
0: I might not either. I mean, it, doesn't Embiid already have a long-term ridiculous contract also? I mean, how do no, you No, he make- does.
1: But, you know, Morey loves him. Um, you know, and I just have to question the guy that, you know, left Houston the way he did. Then if he comes to Brooklyn and and leaves after two years.
0: Yeah. Especially since he was playing with his buddy Durant, you know, if underlying, if Philadelphia wants to sign Harden in the offseason, they have to unload Tobias Harris, who, by the way, is you know still a pretty damn good player. Yeah. Yeah. If you unload him now, what are you telling your, what are you telling Embiid? this season like sorry buddy what we're looking already ahead towards next year the hell with this season right
1: yeah yeah and and I'll tell you the other thing about Harden see I'd I'd feel a lot more confident if I'm Philly if Harden was playing like the Harden that played like an MVP but you know he's not been at that level he's had a share of really good games but just to the eye he's not as explosive off the dribble he's not getting into the lane and to the rim as consistently as he used to
0: all right, let's talk about the team in your backyard. That's the New York Knicks, who, by the way, right now are outside looking. Wait, a minute. I, w- w-
1: wait a minute. Why are you torturing me? We, we have to because, talk about the Knicks?
0: Because I like doing that. Oh, okay. I mean, right now, basketball in New York is not very good. Between the Knicks and the Nets, who haven't won since when? Uh, Christmas? Well, I the- I, I,
1: I, can, I, can sum up the Knicks situation in two words, if you like.
0: Uh, You, you can cuss. Go ahead. No, I mean, what well, we
1: told it. They're screwed. Yeah, they all are. Right. No, but, no, no,
0: it's, it, it's interesting because I went on the on the rumor sites today, and their name is all. they the Knicks are all over the rumors, and that's really interesting in itself. I see that Julius Randall supposedly is being offered to teams, including like maybe Sacramento. I see the Knicks are interested in. I don't know why Goran Dragic. I mean, are we going back ten years in the past, I also see. I mean, I might like this one, and I'll bet Thibodeau would too. Jalen Brunson maybe being in a Knicks uniform? Do any of those make any sense to you?
1: I, I don't think Brunson is dealt uh, midseason. season uh, Dallas would not do that to themselves. I think Brunson, you know, could sign next season with the Knicks. He'll certainly be a target, you know, a really, really solid player. But, you know, again, am I supposed to be jumping for joy that you've added Jalen Brunson to R.J. Barrett, who I still like as a player, and the rest of what that roster looks like? I mean, when you look at some – the young teams in this league, what do Knicks fans have to be excited about? I'm excited if I root for Memphis, if I root for Cleveland. Look at even Boston. That has struggled. But they've got a base of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Even the the Pelicans who we talked about, if Zion comes back, they've got Zion and Ingram. The Knicks have nothing but R.J. Barron.
0: Yeah, and I saw I saw Fournier's name also being in the rumors. I mean, the Knicks are all over rumors. I'll be surprised if the Knicks don't do something tomorrow. And then I saw also that even though they picked up Cam Reddish from Atlanta a week or two ago, has he gotten into a game yet, by the way?
1: He he has played sparingly. I mean, it, to me, it's ridiculous to not, you know, look and see what you have. It's, it's crazy. And you know what? It, I mean, I would make every tr- effort to trade Randall, and I would make every effort to get rid of Fournier and his contract. OK,
0: well, and and I asked about Reddish because supposedly FIBIDO was not behind that trade at all. And I know him. If he doesn't like a player that was acquired, he will not play him, by the way, because he's as stubborn as a coach has ever been.
1: And, so, well, don't, and to me, if, the, if that's the case, don't you think that's a bad situation where the coach and the GM are not on the same page? Oh, you know, Nobody's really nobody's really talked about that in length.
0: Yeah, that, well, that is
1: the case. That's not good.
0: No, you would know better than I would, but I think the Knicks have been dysfunctional no matter who's the coach, who's the general manager, because they, the one constant has been the
1: owner, by the way. So they're, no, they're, that's look, they had one chance to turn around their franchise in 2002 and they blew it. Yeah. Oh, you don't know why, right? Tell me why. Well, that's when I interviewed with Scott Mills and Steve. Oh,
0: Lehman. you would have been, you could have been Tom Thibodeau's uh, boss.
1: <laughs> well, I, I I made the joke. Maybe you saw it on Twitter. I, I had mentioned that if I interviewed with them separately, but I said if there was a 10-year-old in the room, Mills and Layden would have been the th- number three basketball mind in the room.
0: <laughs> Let me ask you a question. If you were the an executive vice president, general manager, whatever the title you want to have, and you wanted to hire a coach, who would you hire as a coach right now? Both, both, both an established one and even an up-and-coming one.
1: Uh, my number one guy would be Steve Kerr. And possibly number two would be Monty Williams. I, I, you know, I've talked about, well, both styles, you know, are the way you're supposed to play basketball. And to me, the motion offense that the Warriors run, that's the way to play ball. As I've said, if I'm playing pickup ball, the guy, why? And I've, I'm constantly having to chase guys over screens and backdoor cuts. That's the hardest offense to play and creates the easiest looks. And even when Curry's not out on the floor, they're all cutting and moving.
0: Do you like Eric Spolstra?
1: No, I uh, love Spolstra. Mm-hmm. I mean, as we talked uh, with Tommy Teig last week in the Miami Heat Radio Network, yeah. Butler and Adebayo go down, and they don't miss a beat.
0: By the way, Spolstra, correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't he one of the top 15 coaches named?
1: Yeah, that was deserving. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. But they, he- they,
1: they screwed up leaving out Alex Hannum. And Bill Sharman.
0: Correct. Then, you and know, they majorly
1: screwed up by including Doc Rivers.
0: Yeah. Was there anybody else on that 15 list? You know, I, I don't have it in front of me that you thought, well, what, are the, what are they doing here? No,
1: that, uh, everything else was reasonable. Yeah.
0: Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the Eastern Conference. It, I mean, I've, I don't know if at this juncture <clears throat> of the season, what about 60, 65% of the season done already, where the top five teams are separated as of right this minute, two and a half games. I mean, Miami is just barely in front of Milwaukee and Chicago. Cleveland is right there. Philadelphia in fifth place, two and a half games out. It's going to be really, really interesting, the final, you know, couple months of or more of this season, the seeding and the bunching for it. And I'll tell you what, and we talked about this before, the Bulls – who have had a pretty good season, but I don't think they're title contenders, they could easily go out in the first round if they match up against certain teams. They match up against Toronto or Cleveland or or Philadelphia. I think they're curtains right off the bat.
1: What about Milwaukee and Miami? All of them. To be yeah, honest. I mean, yeah, I think the teams that are, you know, outside of, you know, Brooklyn, when they have KD, Harden, well, we think, and, and Kyrie, but I think the two best rosters suited for high-level playoff basketball would be Milwaukee and Miami. And Milwaukee now with that pressure off their back of having won a title, you know, could be a little more dangerous. And don't forget, they may get Brook Lopez back. And really, Bobby Portis has not gotten enough props. He's really playing out of his mind. And you now add Lopez to the mix, that's, that's a tough team to beat.
0: Listen, when Bobby Portis was here, and first of all, you won't find many more players more intense than Bobby Portis on the basketball court. You
1: can tell it in his eyes.
0: His eyes are like you know saucers, if you will. And you know, if he's got his out, and his final season here in Chicago, he started hitting threes. I didn't think that was even part of his game, but you know, listen, if you want to play in the NBA, Mm -hmm. it, it almost becomes necessary for most players to be able to shoot from uh from outside. Anyway, Bobby Portis is intense. Right now, Bobby Portis is playing excellent basketball, excellent basketball. So kudos to him. Um, One player who's not playing and is going to have surgery and is out for the rest of the year. It's pretty interesting. Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal also makes a boatload of money. I don't think Washington's ever going to be able to get rid of him, trade him. He's a top talent, obviously. But I think he's one of those guys who's going to get his money and never, maybe ever see sniff a championship for sure. Or he yeah. really make any kind of run in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I believe he's a free agent at the end of the season. I I, I mean, to me, if I'm Washington, um, at this stage of his career and with their roster, uh, I would look to do a sign-and-trade and get some value for him.
0: I'm not so sure he's a free agent. I, 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 I thought, thought he was. Maybe you can look that up uh, as we're doing this here.
1: All right, um, I'll check it I, out.
0: I, I, I thought he's got a long-term contract, but I could be wrong about it. Right, Go ahead. You can look that up. We'll start talking about the West while you're looking that yeah, up. Yeah, sure. But right now, Phoenix, you know, is playing great basketball. They came here and, and really destroyed the Bulls. But the Bulls are under under uh, undermanned right now. They're just missing a lot of players. Um, but Phoenix then went into Philadelphia. It's a game that you were talking about also. And, and they took apart uh, the Sixers also. So Golden State, even though they're still playing well, Golden State's three games behind Phoenix. Memphis, which is probably having its best season ever, and they're like 15 games over 500, but there's still seven games out in the Western Conference. Then you go all the way down. And LeBron can always bitch about the play-in, but, but right now, that's his only entree into the postseason is as a play-in team because the Lakers are ninth. And the Lakers were, I guess, as full strength as you can be against Milwaukee in last night's game. And Giannis just tore them to pieces.
1: Well, the problem with LA, they can't stop people. You know, if they would have scored 125 points last night, they still would have lost the game. You know, you know, awful defensive teams are not title contenders. It just doesn't go hand in hand. And by the way, Bradley Beal has a player option for next season which I'm sure he'll opt out of.
0: Well, player option for how much?
1: 36 million. He has the chance to sign a, a four year whatever. 160 million dollar deal. Yeah. He's going to he's going to want to lock up the money. He's going to get the offers.
0: Yeah, I guess I guess maybe you're right about yeah. that. All right, so is Bradley Beal your number one player on a team?
1: No, definitely not. Okay. No. No. So Bradley
0: Bradley Beale's going to get 40 million dollars to not be the number one player on a team. Does that make any sense?
1: Well, but teams are desperate for really good talent, he's a very good talent. You know how this league works. Wait, wait a minute. <laughs> I mean, Doug McDermott can get 14 million a year. Joe Harris can get 18 million a year. You know, uh, yeah,
0: there's obviously. They're oh, let's
1: players. let's let's remember the famous Timothy Moskov four year 64 million dollar deal.
0: You know, the first most ridiculous contract I remember. You remember John Koncak?
1: Yeah, at sure.
0: SMU, and mostly with Atlanta and the NBA. Oh, you mean
1: an unathletic big.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. one of one of many. Anyway, <laughs> he signed a contract. What was it? Uh, 10 years for 20 million or something like that. It was $2 million back then. And I thought, oh, my God, where, where are these things going? You know, that was one of the first contracts that I thought was this is fucking ridiculous because he wasn't that good a player. He was a seven feet tall. That's all he was.
1: Look, you know, in professional sports, it's great. Uh, you don't have to be a high-level performer to be a multimillionaire, you know?
0: I think everybody in the NBA is a multimillionaire. You know,
1: I mean, look at – look at the, again, look at the contracts from last offseason. Duncan Robinson, five years, 90. McDermott, three years, 42. The great Evan Fournier, the turnstile defender, four years, 73 million. And as I talked to you earlier, uh, one of the, the better free agents um, – actually really got low ball. He he didn't realize it, baby. But Alex Caruso is better than all those three players I named. And he got four years, 37. Why? Because Alex Caruso, not a great three-point shooter, but he can play defense and hustle his ass off. But that's not valuable in this league. Well,
0: the Lakers are certainly regretting that Mm -hmm. one. And they're also regretting uh, going after Westbrook and not signing uh, going after DeRozan. So those are two major mistakes. That's why, why, uh, what's his name? Uh, Oh gosh, their GM, uh, Terblinka. Rob Rob Blinka, yeah. You know, he might be gone very shortly also, along with their head coach. Um, All right, let's wrap this one up with some of the awards as of right now. You and I talk about this almost on a daily basis. The MVP right now is a two-man race in both our estimations. You think Jokic is in the lead? I think Embiid is. Well, in the no, lead. no, I
1: actually think I think Jokic is deserving to be ranked number 1, but I believe, you know, if the vote was taken today, it would be Embiid. Embiid. Uh what he's got going in his favor is that Jokic won it last year Correct. and prior to that Giannis won it two years in a row. The Correct. voters like to go in a new route.
0: Yeah, but Embiid is also having a great season, goes without saying. And, and, you know, he was just here the other day. By the way, the Philadelphia 76ers, when Embiid is in the lineup, and he missed a lot of games with injuries when they played mm-hmm. Chicago, but when he's in the Sixers lineup, 10-0 and against the Bulls, 10-0. and So if the Bulls go against uh, Embiid in the first round of the playoffs, nice knowing you. Right, it'll be, right. It'll be four or maybe five yeah. games in out. Anyway, you know what, uh, Giannis Again, the game he had last night out in Los Angeles, 17 of 20 from the field. I think he was perfect from three-point line also, if I'm not mistaken. He scored 40, 44 points, was it, Andy? I can't yeah, remember. yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, so, yeah if,
1: you, if Giannis had never won the award, he would have much better chance this year. I think the top four, actually, at this point, if I had to gauge it, would be Embiid, Jokic, Giannis, and actually Mr. Morant.
0: Exactly. That's exactly how I have it written down on my legal pad here. All right. So that's the MVP. There's been some other guys. I mean, early in the season, it looked like it was Steph Curry, but he's tailed off. You know, he's still a great player. But, you know, when the greatest shooter of all time goes into a shooting slump, it's it's obviously noticeable. Uh, DeMar DeRozan's been fantastic, but I just don't think he's a viable, true MVP candidate. Right. And, and
1: you, you've got to admit, with Zach Levine being as good as he's been, has to hurt DeRozan a little in that regard.
0: Yeah, but it's really been interesting the dynamics because it's good, you know. And I still think Levine is a great player, but you can tell there's a pecking order between the two. And DeRozan, if he wants the ball in the fourth quarter, it's in DeRozan's hands. It's just right. That simple. All right, rookie of the year. I don't know why anybody has any qualms about this. Evan Mobley is your rookie of the year. I mean, there, there's there's some other talented young players, and and their day will come down the road. But Evan Mobley is the rookie of the year right
1: now. Yeah, I was talking with a friend of mine today. I said, if the vote was taken today and somebody didn't vote for Mobley, they shouldn't be writing about the NBA.
0: 100%. That's simple. Yeah, 100%. And then I think his teammates, you you might disagree with me, but I think his teammate, Kevin Love, and we've talked about this a lot off air, Kevin Love right now I think is your sixth man of the year for a couple of reasons. And, and again, we've talked about this. First of all, he's having a really good year. It goes without saying. But he's also adapted to a role that probably he didn't like initially over the last couple of years. But like a duck to water, he's adapted to it. And he has been a major cog in Cleveland being where they are. So, yeah, I know there's some other ones, Tyler Hero and a few others that, you know, you will we'll get some recognition. But I think Kevin Love, and also Kevin Love is pretty good with the media. And I never under underwrite that because right. I know how the media works.
1: You know, like, it's, it's funny. I haven't seen many – articles, you know, from the major media outlets lately on the award. But uh, up until recently, it's still predominantly in Hero's favor. And, and and my belief is, you know, you can make a case for either guy, but the voters, um, even the odds makers, they look at the scoring column where they see Hero at 20 a game, and they see Love at 14 and a half, and they don't dig beyond that. Uh, Hero has been more of a volume scorer, Love has been more efficient. If you look at the analytics, it even strengthens Love's case. Um, I will have to acknowledge that Hero has a lot more responsibility as a, a lead ball handler a lot of times coming off the bench.
0: Well, Hero also, and help me out on this one because I don't have the numbers in front of me. Hero started for a major stretch of games also, adding to that scoring per game average. Yes.
1: Not, not a whole lot, actually. Um, when the, the interesting thing was, when they were down bodies, for the most part, he would bring Hero off the bench and start Gabe Vinson or Max Struess.
0: Okay. Anyway, that'll be interesting. Uh, most yeah. improved. And I, I totally defer to you, Andy. I don't know who's most improved. Yeah. I like, like Maxi in Philadelphia, but I don't think he's going to win the award.
1: Look, I, I think you can make a strong case for Morant, but there seems you know, to be the narrative that since he's in the MVP conversation, was already a really good player, number two pick former rookie of the year, that, you know, he won't get the votes. To me, um, the media sees it as Miles Bridges. I don't think uh, he really deserves it. The scoring average is up seven points a game, but the shooting efficiency is down tremendously. Now, one thing, if the volume went up and the efficiency was the same or a little less, he's shooting a career low from three. He's down like 8%. His free throw shooting is down 8%. His effective field goal percentage is down 4 or 5%. To me, I would go with Garland. I would go with Murray. And a guy that will never win it because, again, he's not a flashy offensive player is Jared Allen.
0: Jared Allen has been fantastic this year. Jared Allen should make maybe the all-defensive team.
1: Right, right. Jared Allen's gone from being a good defender to an elite defender. Jared Allen is second in the league in field goal percentage. Now, not skilled, but again, extremely efficient. And right now, uh, Jared Allen is the second best player on a team that's 34 and 21.
0: Pretty damn good. Pretty damn good. Yeah. All right. Well, you were worried that we wouldn't have enough to talk about. Here we are babbling 40 minutes later. Yeah.
1: Hell of a job by both of us. (laughs)
0: Listen, you and I could probably talk 10 hours about NBA basketball. Um, And one of these days we'll expand it and we'll take a look at the college level also because there's some and I know you talk about uh, the kid from Wisconsin. I know you like him a lot. I like Johnny
1: um, Davis a lot, Jaden Ivy at Purdue. A few other um, I like Chet Holmgren.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And, yeah, and,
0: and, and these are the future guys that we're gonna be talking about in the NBA yeah, anyway. Yeah. So it's always always good to get a head start. And by the way, did you see this uh this sixth grade kid? And I forget what his name is. I saw some highlights. He's he's 12 years old, he's in sixth grade. He's six five. Actually, you know, he's the son of somebody. Oh my god, I'm terrible on names.
1: No, you have to get it. Gotta look it up on YouTube.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I, I saw. You know, he's six five. He's twelve years old. He's the son of a former NBA player. And forgive me, I can't think of who it is. And he was dunking on these on these kids who are about five right. years tall. I mean, he's going le- he's going the full length of the court and putting behind his back and just jamming it. It's like this
1: is unbelievable. It's like wow. Did he freaking. look talented?
0: Yeah, coordinated. Yeah. Twelve years yeah. old behind his back jamming right. one-handed. What? A, right.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, right. when I was,
1: you when you find out the name, you you text me.
0: I will. I will for sure. All right. All right. Anyway, let's wrap it up on that. Good talking with you. Name here. Hang on, hang on one second, and good good night, everybody.